What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Too Much Test Podcast, episode 28. I am here. My name is Test Your Levels. I am here with Sam Stolt. We have a special guest who's been here before, Eric Broser. And he is a weightlifting coach. He's been a weightlifter for a while, bodybuilder. Um, but you can find me on uh, uh, all the different social medias at Test Your Levels. Um, and Eric, where can we find your social media? Uh, on Instagram, I'm at Coach Eric Broser. Uh, on Facebook, if you probably just look up Eric Broser, you'll find find my accounts. So those are my, those are my basic social media. If you want to get in contact with me directly, uh, email me at bodyeffects2 at AOL.com. And my website is uh, www.broserbuilt.com. That's with a Z, a Z or an S? An S. It's pronounced like a Z, but it's actually S. B-R-O-S-E-R. Broser Built. And then Sorry. you just mentioned before we were about to get into this, that you've got something fun that's coming up pretty soon. Yeah, this is something I've been working on for um, al- almost a year at this point. So I'm, um, I've worked with many, many supplement companies, probably at least six or seven supplement companies in my career, uh, work with them uh, in many, many respects, and uh, worked with some really, really good supplement companies, all of them, you know, excellent products. But I've always wanted to do my own thing. I've always had my own ideas. Um, you know, being in the industry for so long about what certain types of products that I'd like to see put together. So I decided to do it myself. And uh, so I'm in partnership uh, with um, a company called All American Pharmaceutical out of uh, Billings, Montana, which is basically about the, the, the finest manufacturing facility in the country. Uh, and uh, I am coming out with a product line known as Spellbound Nutrition. Uh, Spellbound is because my nickname is Merlin. Uh, so it kind of goes along with that whole magical spells kind of stuff. Uh, so I thought that was kind of catchy. So Spellbound Nutrition will um, hopefully be uh, out mid-June is when we're looking to launch. I'm starting off with a pre-workout type of a supplement, a post-workout recovery growth formula, and a very unique fat burner. And uh, so all these products will hopefully be available mid-June. I'm gonna, you'll see it on my social media as, as it starts to develop and come out. The labeling is done. It looks fantastic. The products are done. Uh, so hopefully that launch will happen soon. And uh, I think that uh, the people who try these products are going to really, really like them. Um, I've tested them myself. Uh, the flavoring is excellent. And uh, the ingredient profiles are excellent. And like I said, the manufacturing is absolutely top-notch. So there's going to be no fear of any ingredients that shouldn't be in there, no contaminants, no heavy metals, no drugs of any kind, uh, and what's on the label will be in the bottle, absolutely so. should be a great thing. Which one are you most excited about? Which product for yourself? You know, personally? it's funny because most people get, you know, they're like, oh, I can't wait to see a pre-workout, pre-workout, pre-workout. Everybody wants a new pre-workout. Um, but for me, it's the post-workout. The post-workout formula for uh, initiating recovery and setting the anabolic mechanisms into action uh, is the thing that actually has me the most excited because um, I think this is going to be really potent and really help people get more out. If you're if you're somebody, and again, one thing I may say, supplements are meaningless if you're training your diet aren't on point. There's no such thing as magic supplements, so let's just get that out of the way right there. I'll be very honest about it. Uh, but if you're training your diet is on point, you put in some good workouts. This post-workout formula, I think, is going to be really great for igniting igniting muscle growth and recovery what what because like a lot of times when i think of like a post-workout i just think of like protein right but it sounds like it's more no it's more the ingredients are more specialized to actually work with the mechanisms of the body 
uh, something called the mTOR pathway, uh, which is a you know pathway for uh, the body to um, you know the anabolic mechanism kick in into kickstart into uh, action, uh, and just um, I don't want to say too much about it. I want to wait until it kind of comes out, but it'll help you know with protein synthesis, help the muscles recover, and just help um, you know it's it's meant to be taken before the post workout meal. So you should basically you get into your system right away uh, to help, you know, your body's sort of primed for muscle growth, obviously, afterwards. And, and depending on what you do after a workout depends on how much your training is going to be amplified. So this really helps kick things into action. Then, of course, you have your post-workout meal and then that completes the process. So what, I think it's going to be great. What do you think about like so everybody who's into fitness, even at an elementary level? Here's about like a anabolic window or like the post-workout time and you need to eat a meal uh, after you train or you're not going to be able to grow, right? And you have opinions on both sides of that, right? And I'm curious to know what your thoughts are because I know you also tend to take an approach where you look at the science and the data behind it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts and share any interesting, you know, feedback. Yeah, that's a, that's a good segue into a, into a, a topic. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, Practice. Listen, I don't, I don't think you have to actually. Um, you know, this product that I'm talking about is is really meant to be taken right after the workout. So, you know, I would try to like literally, you know, get it in right after the workout as soon as you're done, if you can bring it with you and take it down. But as far as the meal goes, um, I, you know, I think that there is some there is an anabolic window because I think that your body um, is metabolic metabolically primed. Uh, to um, take carbohydrates in and help to restore glycogen as well as to um, it needs amino acids relatively quickly. Um, I don't think it means that you have to like literally down a meal the second you put the weights down, you know, but I think within, you know, you shouldn't try to be eating within about a half an hour of your workout um, because I think, you know, cortisol levels are going to be a little higher. Um, insulin, uh, your, your insulin is going to be, um, you know, less resistance after you train. So I think that it's an important time to get carbohydrates in, especially fast-acting carbs. I think it's a good time, you know, when you take supplements after a workout, amino acids, you know, from the from protein, which I tend to, uh, I like to use whey isolate after a workout because I believe it's better that your body's having something that's, uh, you know, already broken down. Well, the, the way it actually gets in your system, like, very quickly in terms of digestion, right, I believe? Uh, yeah. Whey isolate's going to get it, you know, quicker than, uh, you know, than, you know, a whole protein source like, you know, uh, red meat or, you know, fish or whatever. Uh, and I think that that is optimal to take post-workout. Again, it's not, it's not the kind of thing that if you, you know, you choose to eat after a workout, you're not going to grow. You know, I just think that to optimize uh, post-workout recovery, that having whey isolate because it's fast-acting, uh, because it's high in branched-chain amino acids, it's going to go. It's going to get into the muscles quickly. Take a fast-acting carbohydrate because you know you know insulin is a very important hormone post-workout, and because um, your body's going to be primed to utilize the insulin and push. It's uh, the word really would be to partition the calories towards muscle and away from fat, uh, because insulin also can promote you know fat gain. Uh, but after workout, your body, it's almost like your muscles are asking for the nutrients. So you're going to partition and push those calories, the amino acids and the carbohydrates towards muscle cells, not really towards fat cells. And I think this is going to be, you're going to be more insulin sensitive closer to finishing the workout. I think that 
the longer and further you get away from finishing the workout, that the insulin sensitivity is going to start to wane. Uh, also, like I said, cortisol is high, high after a workout because it just puts such stress on the body. You don't want that cortisol floating around uh, for too long. So you want to you know, bring that cortisol down and, and taking those uh, amino acids and carbohydrates after the workout will lower the cortisol. I was, re- I was reading something. I was talking to somebody recently, and they were, and I'm not sure how you would actually measure something like this, but they were talking about, say, insulin sensitivity in a specific body part, like legs or something like that. So after somebody trains, you glycogen would, I, I don't know for sure, but the idea, I haven't looked at any research, but I would think your glycogen stores are reduced and you're probably going to be, like, as you just mentioned, more sensitive to insulin post-training. So is is it kind of like the, if you were to compare different body parts, is it going to be, I mean, like, I'm just conceptualizing things as we're talking about them here, putting this together. Yeah. So say if I trained legs, like I had legs today. So my legs are going to probably be slight, slightly, maybe just marginally more sensitive to insulin post-workout having something like a simple carb and then it with a meal would allow that to, you know, hopefully partition more so into the legs. Is that like the thinking behind this? Well, I think, and listen, I think that's a really, really interesting question. And I think that would be make a really interesting study. So I'm not going to say that I know a hundred percent whether there's more insulin sensitivity in the actual body part you just trained or not. I would probably think that it's on a whole body level that there's more insulin sensitivity. However, I think that the muscle that was just trained is probably going to take the most advantage of that. You know, being that that's the one that's been exhausted, that's the one that's just had fiber trauma, as you know, the cells have been, you know, broken down. That it's you know, most of the glycogen has probably been taken out of the body part that you just work. So I think that the the whole the whole body systemic insulin sensitivity. Is probably going to be taken advantage of by the body part you just trained the most. Taken advantage of, you know, in, in, in just in the fact that you just trained it. Uh, but I don't think that. I, I doubt, and I could be wrong. I doubt that there's more insulin sensitivity within that actual muscle. I just or, think and, that, and like, how would you? How would you even like? You pick a biopsy. <laughs> like, how are you going to measure that? Like, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe there is some type of a scientific method. Although I doubt that any scientist scientist is going to take it. You know. I don't think that people are concerned enough with muscle growth as we are uh, to, to try to figure something like that out. But I think that would be that would be a really cool study. But yeah, I mean, maybe a muscle biopsy or or maybe following, I don't know, doing some kind of thing where they can, you know, sort of like oh, some kind of a scan like, or something like that. Yeah, or? Like a scan or like putting a dye into the system and see with the food and seeing how it works and how it travels. It'd be an interesting study, but um, I know I, I know what it I know, like, uh, test your levels are probably just waiting to ask a question. But sorry. <laughs> uh, no, like, I don't know about the insulin portion of it, but, I mean, it seems like from an evolutionary standpoint. So, you know, caveman, I'm walking up the mountain for three, four hours, right? My legs are torched, and I find some food. Like, it makes sense that my body's going to be like, okay, I'm going to take all this nutrition and this protein, and I'm going to, you know, give as much to it as I can to the legs because we may have to walk up the mountain for another four hours tomorrow, and I need to repair these muscles as quickly as possible so we can go find more food. I just, a for a lot of different stuff I look at, I've started to look at it as like, what would our bodies do in order to help us survive? And that's what I think we've been conditioned to do over millions of years. 
Yeah, I think I think I think one of the things that people need to also look at is that, you know, a lot of people think about um, just sort of like on this topic is that, you know, you train a body part and they, people are very, very concerned about muscular recovery of the body part they just trained, which is, of course, extremely important. But what's just as important is systemic recovery. You're talking about the central nervous system, you're talking about the immune system, you're talking about all the systems of the body that are going to be affected, affected by intense training. So, you know, when you're talking about getting your nutrition after a workout uh, and getting rest after a workout, yes, we want the body part that we just trained to recover. But just as important, or maybe even more important, is systemic recovery within the entire body. Because if the central nervous system is not recovered, if the you know, if the entire entire hormonal profile is not restored, you know, if, you know, the immune function that could be affected from stress is not, you know, optimized, we're not going to grow, you know, because the body puts muscle growth pretty low on the totem pole when it comes to the energy that it wants to expend for survival. So um, just as an aside, I just think that, you know, people need to think about systemic recovery and that's part of the whole process after training when it comes to recovery so it's interesting and it makes me think about like the frequency thing so it's not at one point i was you know working at doing like five meals or six meals smaller meals a day and i didn't feel like i noticed a ton of a difference and today i do about three meals a day and then maybe like a snack or two um and i don't know i mean haven't seen anything like personally, I didn't notice much, but I was I'm not like competing. Um, have you seen any data on that? Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, is say six meals, say three meals that are just kind of cut in half and spread out over six meals instead of three meals, is that in some way more beneficial for the recovery? Right, because we agree, like you, this whole system needs to recover. Your central nervous system, your body has to repair. Your brain has to like basically repair this the, any like breakdown that it's had during the day of any synapses, right? All that takes place. But is there benefit to doing the, the more frequent eating throughout the day? Well, I think that I have, you know, I've read a lot of different conflicting information on, mm-hmm. on this stuff. Probably more scientific data and probably more in the trenches data you know leads people to believe that more frequent feedings is better um however i do know a lot of guys who have only you know only you know three or four meals a day rather than five six or seven meals a day who you know are extremely muscular and look great you know so i'm not going to say to them you know you're doing it wrong uh i know from personal experience i do better with smaller more frequent meals most of my clients do as well. I think what you have to look at is, you know, obviously there's a level of a caloric level and a macronutrient level that we, you know, really kind of need to reach every single day uh, in order to either, you know, focus on muscle growth or focus on fat loss or, you know, maybe a combination of the two. And then I think the question becomes, Food absorption, you know, are you, if you need 300 grams of protein a day, let's just say you do really well on that, are you going to get as much out of eating three meals of 100 grams of protein each versus six meals of 50? Are your, is your body going to process those six meals of 50 grams better than it will three meals of 100? You know, same thing with carbohydrates, same thing with fats. 
Um, I would tend to believe that the body, and there's also a lot of different, the problem with, with a lot of the studies on protein absorption, because, you know, there's a lot of uh, studies that say, oh, you can't absorb more than 20 grams at a meal, which I think is total horseshit, because most of the populations that they're working on are not, you know, training their asses off every day. They're yeah. just very, sometimes elderly or people yeah. or whatever, so it doesn't work. I personally would have to say that I believe, and, and through experience with clients and myself, I think that most people would tend to do better and probably absorb their food better and probably have uh, a, a better energy levels during the day, more stable blood sugar, so on and so forth, from having more frequent meals. Now, I don't think there's any set amount of meals that work for people. I think, you know, I have some clients who are work longer days. Uh, and they're up for more hours, and I give them more meals because they have better energy when I give them seven meals a day. Some people can't even think of eating seven meals a day, and they eat like five. So I used when, to eat six. when you do seven, when you do seven meals, uh, but that's like, you know, what is seven times five, right, or something like five hundred calories a meal type thing, or uh, you know what I mean? That's thirty five hundred calories a day. Well, I mean, it could be. It depends on the person. You know, it depends on the person. Um, like for myself, yeah, yeah, it depends on where they're at. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the per- I mean, man and woman. Do they weigh two fifty? Do they weigh one fifty? You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors. Um, you know, but for myself, like I, I usually when I was younger and I was building, my main focus was like I needed to gain weight and build. I needed a lot more calories than I need now. Uh, I needed to eat like six or seven times a day, and I eat, needed to eat like fifty five grams of protein per meal. I needed to eat like you know, 70 or 80 grams of carbs a meal. Like, otherwise I just didn't get any bigger. Now um, I'm down to eating five meals a day and I probably only take in about maybe 50 grams of protein per meal. So that's like 250 for the day. So that's only about a gram per pound of body weight for me when I used to be way over that. Um, I don't take in a lot of carbs, to be honest, maybe 150 grams a day on a, on a training day. I take in a lot of healthy fats because I, I believe those are extremely important. Uh, but I don't, you know, I probably take in way less calories now and I'm bigger than I've ever been just, you know, muscularly. So, uh, I think that it's just, you know, something that, you know, changes over time a little bit, but still, I mean, to go back to your question, I think that I would never tell anybody if they're eating three meals a day and they're doing great, that they're doing something wrong, but I would challenge them and say, you know, if you're curious, try five meals a day, spreading out those same calories over five or six. And see if you do better. You know, maybe you didn't, Sam. But you know, well, that, that was only like ten years ago or longer. So it's been, you know, uh, the consistency of where I'm at right now has yielded because the consistency of everything like really makes it different. Because you're like, oh, I've been consistent, and they're following like a twelve week thing or a sixteen week. But like the consistency over say three, four, five, six years of like. You know, you are always consistent in, say, working out and training, but then, like, shit, fan here, and maybe you drop the ball for a week or something, right? But the consistency with all the pieces over a longer period of time, you had so much results. And I've literally been thinking about this. Uh, so it's interesting that you bring this up because it's really good points. I tend, and- to, I tend to, I really tend to think that, you know, you have to look at, like, the, the, sometimes you have to kind of look at the imperial, the evidence that's out there. And I think that, if you look at most of the most massive guys in the world, you know, and let's, you know, let's take, let's put the, 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 the drug thing aside. Cause there's also a lot of, I mean, I got really big naturally too. Putting all that stuff aside, the majority of them eat five, six, seven, eight meals a day. 
you know, they wouldn't th- be able to think of eating three meals a day because the meals would be too large. You know, you know, they'd be, you know, they'd be too large. You couldn't eat it. Um, And I do think that there is an absorption, an absorption issue. I think that, I think that your body will get overwhelmed and maybe your your, your system of enzymes is not going to be able to properly assimilate that much food in a sitting. I think it'll better do so over smaller meals and not get overwhelmed. And then I think you'll have better absorption of the nutrients and then I think over time that would probably equal more growth. And I do think when it comes to fat loss, it certainly is an advantage to eat more frequently because every time you eat, it, it bumps up your, your metabolic rate. So I think that that's also very important too. So my theory would be to go more frequent. I, I will start testing that this come probably tomorrow. I'll start testing that even if it's just switching up to four meals to start with. And then, you know, every week I'll work on testing that out myself. You mentioned yeah. you mentioned fat loss. I'm currently running a 90 day challenge, so I'm I can't win the challenge, but I can like you know use it for myself to drop some body fat. And one of the things that I wanted to talk to somebody who knows a lot more about the training aspects for fat loss when somebody goes into fat loss and they want to the, the biggest piece is obviously going to be your diet fat loss you know like of course but how do you train change things if at all for training when you're going into like dropping body fat so i'm probably i was like like 246 and i'm probably going to go down to 220 ish or depending on how i look around like that but i'm curious how you change training styles or is it the same same throughout that uh well I think one of the, I think you've hit upon one of the biggest long-standing myths in, in weight training. And I'm not saying necessarily you're doing this, but a lot of people do it. They say, you know, oh, when you're trying to get big, you lift heavy weights for low reps. When you're trying to cut up, you lift lighter weights for high reps. Uh, that's a huge myth, and it's it's got no basis in any science, or <laughs> and it doesn't have any, you know, in the trenches value either. I think it's just people just, they heard it, so they believe it. Um, so my answer is, is, you know, whatever kind of training is optimizing your growth is the same type of training you should be using to maintain your growth when you're losing body fat. So, no, you don't change your training at all, in my opinion. Uh, you know, if you are, you know, let's say you're getting ready for a competition and I'm evaluating your physique and there's certain you have certain areas that are, you know, strengths or weaknesses. Yeah, maybe 16 weeks before the show or something, maybe I would play with your training split or something. But that has nothing was- to do with fat loss. That's because, like, hey, you're, you're weak in this specific area. Right. Try to add some more volume or whatever. Yeah, but right. fat loss, yeah. For the fat loss, going to your question, no, I wouldn't be changing anything at all because uh, you're not really going to – if you're if you're somebody who is looking to optimize – there's a difference between somebody who just wants, I just want to lose body fat versus somebody like you who is also interested in maintaining your muscle size while you lose fat. You don't want to just lose, you know. So if you're somebody like, you know, you, I wouldn't be changing my training at all. And I'd be relying on the diet and or cardio to drop the fat. And I'd be using my weight training to maintain or even still try to build as much muscle as possible throughout the process. So I wouldn't change my training at all. Now, if you're somebody who, you know, I have some clients who uh, they are not necessarily bodybuilders, 
they just want to they just want to lose a lot of body fat. Yeah, they want to keep their muscle and they can't do let's just say maybe they don't have a lot of time to do a lot of extra cardio. They're very hard working people. They work many hours. So I have to figure out a way to get them to burn more calories through their training uh, because they don't have a lot of time to add extra cardio. I may start doing a lot of supersetting with them or circuit training or giant setting or things or having them move a little quicker through the workout to try to optimize their time towards their goal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so that... Exactly. So that I, I might I might change the training for them in that specific instance, but I'm kind of directing the question more towards you and towards people probably watching or listening to this podcast who want to maintain or build muscle while they're burning that body fat. And for them, no, you don't change your training at all. You still try to lift as heavy as you were before. You still try to push the same weights, use the same intensity. The only time that maybe training will change at all is if you have gotten to a very low body fat level. You have less water in your body, less body fat, less cushioning in the joints, and then maybe you shouldn't be trying to try to push the really low rep sets just for joint integrity and making sure you don't pull anything or strain anything. But still, the concept of training should be the same. I want to ask you about uh, touch your levels. If you are like, hey, I want to ask a question. Feel free to interrupt <laughs> me at any point. I do. I do have a question, and I actually wanted to. I wanted to ask you since you worked out naturally, and you said I think, believe you started TRT not too long ago. What the differences were, but I did have a question about dieting because me and Sam were talking, and I've been looking to drop a little weight, and I was saying that I may just like take a week off from weightlifting and just solely do cardio and the sauna for a week, but mentally that fucks with my head is that I'm going to lose muscle during that week. Oh. <laughs> We can still we can okay. still hear you. Yeah, yeah. I say mentally, it messes with me thinking that I'm going to lose gains. I know that's not really realistic, but what would your thoughts be on someone, uh, you know, working out three weeks and then doing cardio for a pure week? I I, I uh, we chatted about this. I'm curious because I'll let you know what I said afterwards. But I mean, I don't personally. I wouldn't. I don't want to say like, oh, that's a terrible idea. You know, <laughs> like that's the worst idea I ever heard. You know, it, you know, it's it's. It's not a horrible idea, you know. I don't. There's nothing terrible about it, like to just stick because you know it's only a week. Uh, but I, I don't really think that you would need to do that. I think that weight training is uh, cardio. The thing about cardio is, is that cardio burns calories while you're doing it. Doesn't really burn. Doesn't really have an afterburn, which basically means how many calories you burn for the hours after cardio. Weight training is different. Weight training burdens car- burns calories while you're training, but it also has effects hours, many, many hours, even up to 24 hours after you train. It'll actually stimulate the metabolism. So I think that when you're trying to burn body fat, it's actually advantageous to lift weights. So I think that you might be doing yourself a disservice uh, by not lifting weights during that week rather than you know, and, and just doing cardio. If you felt like you wanted to do that, you know, as a recovery week, you know, like there's nothing wrong with that after, you know, like three months of training and then taking a recovery week and just doing cardio, that's fine. But I think if you're trying to burn body fat. I don't see any reason why you, why you should do that. I think that actually it could possibly hold you back. Interesting. Right. There was, I was trying to get you to not take the week off too, or like potentially not, you know, see it that way potentially. But I uh, appreciate the insights uh, from Eric here. You'd mentioned, there's actually two other questions that I wrote down, but you'd mentioned, uh, take a 
week off after three months of training kind of thing. Is that something that your clients regularly do or regularly do or you regularly do? Because it's definitely not something that I do. No, no, it's not something that I regularly do. No, because I, I, I can't handle it. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) take a week off from training. Like, what am I going to do with myself? (laughs) No, I try to get people uh, after, after competitions, I'll, you know, if, unless they have another competition coming right up, I do encourage them actually to take time off. I do say just, you know, either take completely, take the week, take an entire week off and do nothing. Uh, or, you know, maybe just do some light cardio. Uh, and if they, and if they say to me, Eric, I cannot stay out of the gym, then I'll encourage them to do something like instead of training five days a week, do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, three full body workouts, just, just get a pump and do not, you know, no kind of nothing that we breaking muscle tissue down. But yeah, it's actually, I actually think honestly looking as a coach and knowing what I know, looking from the outside and into this, I actually think it would probably be very beneficial for most of us, including myself to after putting in, you know, for you know three four months straight of training uh to take especially especially when you're past like age 40 you know or you know even 35 you know you've been training for a long time you know maybe in your 20s you know you're still superman and you know you don't need it but i think as you get older i think it's a good idea to take that take a week off let you if anything let your joints recover a little bit uh let the central nervous system reboot let your hormonal profile you know, normalize, let the cortisol come down. Maybe your testosterone will bump back up without, you know, just naturally. I think it's a good idea. I just know it's very, very hard to do because most of us psychologically can't stay out of the gym. So I can't blame anybody for saying, well, Eric, I can't do that. I'm going to be like, well, I don't blame you. It's hard, but it probably would be very beneficial because, and the reason I say that is because I have clients who actually, who maybe have had uh, an injury or, or, or an illness or a family issue or something where they've been forced out of the gym for a week or two. And then they come back and I start tracking them again. And then all of a sudden they make a leap in progress, whether it be strength or the way they look. And I know it's probably because they took, they had that time, they were forced to take it, but they had that time off. And they'd be like, wow, my shoulder, which has been hurting me for the last three months, all of a sudden it feels good. Because they need to rest, you know. I mean, I've, which I've don't sorry, I've had it where I've had to take off time, whether I think it's because of traveling or something, for um, a couple of days, and maybe you miss like two days here and then two days in the front week or something, and then you come back to hitting those body parts again, and it does seem like you've like a super compensated, so to speak, in a way past where you where you were and it feels it feels different and then you also get crazy doms because you haven't trained something in a while where maybe previously i wasn't getting as sore as i would like to have been sore and now with taking that time off i like i like that idea a lot i started incorporating fasting for one 24 hours per month for the past year just for health reasons and it's awesome like you don't because it's not like a normal thing for us to do right the first thing i noticed is like holy shit i have so much time because 
prepping the meal, prepping meals and like just spending the time, like even just heating it up and then washing the dishes or whatever, like all that and then eating, all that just goes away. You have so much time like throughout the day to do that. And I was like, that might be an interesting thing to do to like force myself to do it maybe once every six months. Take, I don't know, a week or maybe, I don't know if I can do a week or I would have to really force myself to try to do a week. There, you know, like it's that. interesting because there there are studies and there are also, I did it myself one time, but I might want to start doing it more frequently. That There are studies that show that, you know, we kind of get protein exhausted. You know, we, you know, body, people who lift weights, you know, tend to have protein heavy diets. And there seems to be some type of almost like exhaustion, whether it's, it's, uh, the enzymes or or something whatever process helps process the protein and break them down that shows that if you take a break from eating protein and then you know maybe not necessarily fast but you know you, you, do, you take a break from eating whole proteins and maybe just have carbohydrates or you know that you know maybe fruits for just a few days and live off of that that there seems to be some sort of a reboot that goes on when you start eating protein again that your body starts to assimilate and absorb it better uh, and I just think that the body works this way. You know, this is why even people who take uh, like creatine, for example, as a supplement, which I think is one of the best supplements on the planet, uh, uh, you know, there's no studies that say that it's dangerous to keep taking creatine every single day and not break from it. However, I have always seen and I've experimented this with myself and I've experimented with other people that cycling creatine seems to make it work better over time. So I just, I, you know, like a 12-week on, four-week off, or 16-week on, four-week off, uh, it, it seems to be that, you know, you make a certain amount of gains from creatine, whether it be strength gains or whatever. It's all subtle because we're not talking about steroids here. But you make some gains from it. You feel strong. You feel better. You take four weeks off. You don't really lose much. But then when you go back on it again, you get another boost. But if you keep taking it continuously, months, years straight, you really don't feel it anymore. So I've always told people to cycle it. And the reason why I bring this up is because I, I kind of feel that the body just has its own mechanism where it gets, for lack of a better term, tired of the same thing over and over again, whether it be the, a food, a supplement, a training regimen, anything. A drug, drugs. A drug, anything. Your, your body will look at alcohol. You know, if you drink alcohol, one drink, one drink gets you drunk the first time, and then you need two, then you need three. Then eventually... You don't get drunk anymore, no matter how much alcohol you drink. But then if you took a break for six weeks and then drank, oh, you'd get drunk again. You know, there seems to be some mechanism within the body that helps us adapt, adapt, whether it be a good thing or a bad thing, adapt, adapt, adapt. So that we need like these little breaks in order to reset the body. It's like just rebooting a computer or something. Go, and going off of that, like that what I was in my mind, like people who uh, smoke uh, cigarettes or drink alcohol or weed where you build a tolerance to this over time. You do this with drugs, but one of the, cause I, when I'm, when we're thinking, when we're thinking about things, I'm always like, Hey, is this like something that plays out in the real world? Is this something that like actually happens or is it just some like fantasy fucking shit that I'm making up? And when I look at my training, right, I do it with compounds, right? I try to switch it up very regularly uh just because of what we're talking about here and then it's like well i do exactly the same thing for my training style like how i'm actually lifting in the gym and i'm perpetually like changing that up or if sometimes i might be going like eight reps on stuff and like i'm that's 
the max of what I'm hitting. And other times I'm doing 25 or a hundred fucking reps. I'm certain things because I'm just rotating through them or sometimes it's negatives only or whatever the case is. And it's constant and it works in training and we know it works in training. So why wouldn't it work in all the other facets of our life as we go through and do this stuff? You know what I mean? Um, well, yeah. Arnold, I remember Arnold would always say like he he would try to confuse his his muscles. You know, he said that he's like my muscles never know what's coming. You know, I may be doing, you know, sets of five. You know, five sets of five. I may do six sets of twenty. You know, and it just switches up. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like remember remember when I told you guys it was closer when we started this podcast that I would get uh, when if I would drink too much coffee I would start feeling hypoglycemic and like crash. Well, I've been drinking coffee and I don't drink it in big amounts. I drink little bits throughout the day, like microdosing, kind of. But, um, but I haven't gotten that feeling in in a long time, and I think it's because I built a tolerance to caffeine. I'm still sensitive to it, but I built a tolerance to where I don't crash like that. There's lo- there's lots of research out there on the on the alcohol front or like cigarette type front on that. But uh, I wanted to ask you this is uh, personal question not for you but like that i had was curious about henny i think it's henny rambot like he's worked with like phil heath and he's also worked with like i think there's like an influencer dude that he's working with uh and i think he also worked with jeremy boyandia um and it seems that when they have switched their training style or probably drug profiles and while they're doing that stuff but i want to talk from the training standpoint He's got that thing. Is it is it Henny or something? Where is it F- FSD something seven? seven. Uh, FSD seven is Honey. That's Honey. Oh, honey. Yeah. Okay. And what like is there? Because you see them working with him, and then you see their physiques all obviously transitioning to a similar type of very uh, full muscle bellies, uh, and and the same. There's a similar look that you can t- not always tell, but sometimes you can tell who that you've probably been able to see this, like by seeing somebody's physique, if it's kind of slimmer to somebody else's in certain ways, uh, that this might be the person that they're actually working with as a trainer. And so I wanted to ask your thoughts on like the FSD7. This is a troublesome one for me. Um, I don't want to say, I mean, I respect Tony a lot. He's one of the, one of the best coaches in the industry. And obviously he, Coached Phil Heath for a long time, one of the best bodybuilders ever. Uh, but I will say about Phil is that he was so genetically gifted. I don't think I think many of us could have coached him through that many Mr. Olympics, to be honest. Real quick, what is FSD seven? Just for FSD seven, basically, this, no this is here's the thing. FSD seven basically is that you finish off the workout with, I mean, with a movement uh, where you do seven sets, like of like you know fifteen twenty reps of a final movement just to get like this major pump and you take really short rests between sets. So to me, it's really nothing revolutionary. It's just basically like getting a huge pump at the end of the workout. Now, maybe, you know, the people that he's worked with, you know, they're, and then there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, obviously I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but you know, he's working with very genetically gifted people who are using gear and whatever. And, you know, and maybe, <laughs> It's it's helping them over and above what they were doing before, and also remember he he also helps people with diet as well, and he's very talented in that area. So I mean, you know, and and maybe he helps with protocols too. I don't know, I don't know everything. I don't know everything that he does, but I mean, so I think it's a it's, it's a what he does with people that's been successful is probably on all fronts. You know, hitting it from all different areas. I don't think there's anything 
magical about FST7. Uh, I don't really think there's anything new to it. So, I, I mean, that's why I was, I was always kind of like, you know, with the training systems that I've come out with, I personally think there's a lot more science behind it and a lot more, um, you know, use of physiology and how the body works and why the muscles grow and how we, you know, uh, the different muscle pathways you know, from, you know, fiber trauma to mechanical tension to metabolic stress and hitting on all those areas. So uh, I don't think that there's anything special about FST7, but I think that he had some, you know, big people using it and, and, it, and it got a name. And like I said, he's a talented coach. He's really good with diet and, and everything like that and they graded with motivation. So I think he had some success. Um, I don't know if it really developed the physiques in any kind of um, similar way because because really, I mean, he probably had, you know, he named, you know, he named Phil Heath and, and Jeremy and, you know, he actually even trained Jay Cutler for a little while. Uh, but he also probably has, you know, 50 other clients that he trained who probably look nothing like these guys. You know, yeah, yeah, were, no, 100%. Correct. Yeah, they're sounds totally like, different. It sounds like he trademarked like supersets. You know, it's like if I if I was a coach and I'm like, all right, well, Chris Bumstead's doing 21s at the end of his workout, and so is freaking Larry Wheels, and you know, and that like everyone that you know, it's trademarked. It's 21s, you know. Yeah, it's, like it, it sounds what it's kind of is to me. Yeah, it wasn't really anything revolutionary. I just did think that he put a and and my first training program that I ever came out with was called Power Reparation Shock, which was in the year 2000, uh, and the the letters behind it were P R R S. And I kind of feel like I was the first one that came out with like these little, you know, four letter or five letter names, you know, these cute little names. But it was easier than saying power up brain shock, which is why I did it. And it wasn't trying to like market anything. It just happened to take off. And then there was a DVD and all kinds of articles on it and everything. And it did, you know, it became its own brand. But then after that, all kinds of different ones started coming out with these little names. <laughs> and, I just um, created uh, I just created TYL fourteen, oh. where basically you do fourteen sets of twenty at the end of your workout, and you get an even better pump. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. trademark. Yes. Heard it here first. You can get that by just <laughs> DMing him on Instagram for the protocol, and it'll sell to you for fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, for, for coaching, hit me up on Instagram. <laughs> So yeah, no, but I'm not. I mean, I'm not saying this is not me. You know, knocking Hani because Hani's is a coach. I respect him. He's in the been in the industry for a long time. He's trained a lot of champions. I just don't personally think there's anything special with FST7. To be honest, I mean, for 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 a muscle. So this is that. I appreciate the insights on that. Uh, it because I, I, the curiosity behind that to give it context. A lot of my training over the last, say, 36 months has evolved to include a primary muscle group and a, a little bit of a secondary muscle group that is not like chest triceps type of thing. Maybe it's chest, but then uh, the area that I'm focusing on for, and I think I messaged you similar to this, uh, and I, I'll go through and do something where I'm like, several sets of say quads and it's just quads on a chest day to to increase the pump right i get that pump and, and i might do something maybe it's three or four sets but i might do 25 reps on these uh and i've seen results on it so that's why i was because i know it's just like extra volume on there but i didn't know if there was you know behind that but when i like heard you mention a couple minutes ago to change the topic on that piece a little bit you mentioned the lower reps 
Um, can you tell me your thoughts on lower reps to actually build muscle? Because it's not something I very rarely ever do. Or And also, what is your definition to, to divine lower reps? Yeah, well, within bodybuilding, I would say lower reps is probably more like, you know, six, seven, eight. You know, I mean, for bodybuilding, you know, for powerlifter, that's a ton of reps. You know, they're, they're thinking more like one, two, or triples, you know. Uh, but lower, lower, you know, lower rep training, if you want to say, I think is is more effective uh, when you start out training uh, than it is later on. I think that, uh, you know, because, you know, you, if you can gain strength within those, I mean, I, I've always, I, I can't, even when I was younger, I never understood people, you know, going to the gym and, you know, and trying to build muscle and they're constantly just doing singles or doubles and thinking they're building yes. muscle because they're not, you know, you need to have the muscle has to be under tension for a, a certain period of time. Otherwise, you know, otherwise you're basically working the central nervous system. You're not working the actual muscle tissue, breaking down fiber. But I think that, you know, the thing about bodybuilding is, is that, and building muscle, is that, again, what I said before is there's a lot of different pathways to muscle growth. It's not just a singular, you do this and this is the result. Muscles grow for a lot of different reasons. And you have to, if you want to optimize your growth, if you want to reach your genetic potential, you have to hit all of those pathways and you have to hit them regularly. I think that a, a reason why a lot of people stagnate very, very quickly uh, or get frustrated or think that genetics suck is because they're not doing this. They tend to, you know, people go into the gym, they tend to find a pool of exercises that they're comfortable with. They tend to find a rep range that they're comfortable with and then a certain level of intensity and a certain rest between sets. And they just do this day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And going back to the tolerance issue, your body is going to learn this after a while and it's not going to respond. Have you thought about putting together a framework for that with the three letter acronym that you can sell? Cause I think that like is like a goal. I mean, maybe not for beginners as much in my personal opinion, but like that is a, a, a that could be something that's very, very important. Like whether it's putting together something where it's, you know, in a quarter or however people want to break it down, you have different those different pieces in it and you can call it something fucking cool. That's three letters and so yeah, well, my, my power rep range shock training program, which really was the one that started it all for me in terms of notoriety already. Ha it has a DVD, which obviously people don't really watch DVDs anymore, but it was the best selling DVD uh, at Iron Man magazine for four straight years. Uh, and they also did uh, an ebook on it, which is still available. You can still get through me, which explains the whole system and how to do it. Uh, and I also have another training program, which was my second one called FDFS, which is short for which is short for fiber fiber damage uh, fiber damage fiber saturation, which is basically like talking about uh, damaging or breaking down the muscle fibers and then saturating them with a lot of blood, oxygen, and hormones with higher up type sets. Uh, and that also has uh, an ebook. But then I've developed several systems after that, and I have thought about. I think what you're talking about is sort of like laying down a protocol for using all these systems over a long period of time so you have a way to cycle it. And this is what I do with my clients. When my clients, as long as they're, you know, a little bit more advanced level, not necessarily advanced, advanced, but even intermediate, uh, this is what I do for them manually. I basically go back and I look 
this week I use this protocol, this week I want to use this protocol, you know, this one I want to repeat, this one, you know, so I do it manually, but I have thought about doing, you know, either an ebook or a system or something uh, on what you're talking about right here to help people to manage it over a period of time. Because what I was going to say before was basically that, you know, low reps do work, high reps do work, supersets do work. Uh, you know, uh, you just, you, but, that, but you got to put them all together. And I think right, you, know, you have to put awesome it together correctly. But what I'm trying to say is, is that training is multidimensional. It's not one dimensional, which is why I'm saying that a lot of people, most people go into the gym. I used to see it all the time. I would go in what back when I was lived in New York and I trained in the same gym for many years. I've, I've moved around a lot. So it's been hard for me to stay in one spot. But I used to see, I used to, you know, I was growing and I was doing better. And then I turned pro in natural bodybuilding and I was growing and I was getting bigger and this and that. And I would look at other people and they would look exactly the same every single year. And every Monday they would go to the gym. I'd go to the gym and they'd be bench pressing and then incline pressing. And every two, and I used to like look at them and be like, why are they satisfied doing the same, you know, doesn't aren't they getting it through their head that they're still doing the same thing over and again? They look exactly the same. Is that satisfying? Or maybe they like that. I don't know. But most people I know who go to the gym go there to progress. So I never really understood that from early time. You know, obviously as I got older and I got more into it, and this became my, you know, my living. And, you know, and I learned, I set out to to learn why the body grows, how the body grows, and I started developing these different systems. You know, then it became really, really clear to me that, you know, the body is an adaptive machine and we need to stay ahead of the curve. We need to beat it to the punch because if we don't, you're going to just very quickly adapt to anything that you're doing if you do. And the longer you've been training, the more quickly it adapts. That's the way it works. You know, there'll be a, in the beginning, you could do the same training program and just try to get a little stronger or do it a little few more reps. You know, for six straight months, you're fine. Then, you know, you, maybe your body's going to start adapting to a program every three months, and then it'll start adapting every two, and then every month. And then eventually you get to a point where you got to start doing something different every single week. But all these different approaches work, if they're, and especially if they're put together intelligently, this is what you're talking about here. If they're cycled correctly and used correctly, uh, you can really make progress I think almost indefinitely, especially if you, you know, obviously if you get to a point where, you know, you're, then we start talking about things like TRT, because obviously once you're, once your hormonal levels start to come down and, and things like that, then it becomes very difficult to fight that. I mean, if you're, if you used to have a thousand milligrams of test nanoliters per deciliter, you know, and now you only have 200, you're not going to make the same gains, but if, you know, making things all equal, you can make gains into your fifties, sixties. I mean, you can keep going if you do it right, but you have to do it right. And you have to work with your body, not against it. You can't train seven days a week when you're 50 years old and expect to make the gains you did when you were 20, you have to adapt mentally and then put it, you know, make it physical and say, okay, this is what I got to do now versus what I did five years ago. When I want to learn, you know, I used to be able to get ready for a contest in six to eight weeks. Boom. I can get shredded. I could not do that anymore. You know, I have to take time and it's the same thing with muscle growth, but yet I'm bigger now at age 53 than I was when I was 33. So, wow. wow. That's so, a lot though. That's, that's a lot. And that's I'm, interested, I, it's I'm due, interested in, 
um, and it, probably one of the most extreme ways that you can switch it up, like workout wise. Rich Piano's what eight hour arms? You ever seen that video where he trains for like I, yeah. four hours doing triceps, biceps, goes and eats like a pizza, a couple protein shakes, and then trains for another four hours? It's pretty insane. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I know that's a that's a shock to your central nervous system. That's causing severe damage, inflammation in the arms. And I think he branded it as like you could gain an inch in your arms in one day. Yeah, there's been many there's been many um, variations of that program. There's been um, you know his that version. There's also been versions uh, where you basically will do like um, every hour on the hour you do like you know a, an arm workout you know, like a quick arm workout, like, you know, four or five sets for the biceps every hour. And then, you know, an hour goes by, you do it again, you do it again, you do it again. There's been, you know, two a day training programs where you literally, you know, you go in the morning, you train chest, you know, you do your, you know, 15 sets for chest, you get a couple of meals and you go back later in the day and you do another 15 sets for chest with different exercises. So there's been <laughs> a lot of variations on this type of a program. I personally think that that's a load of crap that you can gain. Yeah. You gain an inch of fluid and inflammation, not it real muscle. Yeah, away. it's not real. It's, you know, obviously it's the same thing as if you smashed your, your knee into the wall. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of growth in your knee from the <laughs> fluid and the inflammation. So while that may be fun, you know, it might be something, hey, listen, you could do, you, you know, the, you, you could do something crazy for a day, you know, just to shock your body and, you know, whatever. Maybe it will be, you know, kind of cool, but that's not real growth. And that's, and certainly if you try to do that too often, you're going to end up, if you don't end up injuring yourself, you're going to end up burning yourself out. You know, your central nervous system or something's going to burn out. You had mentioned a minute ago about training for seven days, right? And then like, obviously it can hinder in certain ways. Uh, I, tr I trained for 11 or 14 days straight, uh, once or twice just to test it out because I wanted to see what it was like. And it was definitely draining. And you could just see like the level of intensity for anybody that's listening. I'm holding my hand up on the left-hand side. Then just kind of went down throughout that like 14 day period of time. Um, but now I think about overtraining as more of a, like a tool to like utilize. Uh, whereas if you mentioned like, if you train, you know, do an eight hour thing or six or whatever, however the fuck you want to do that thing. Like what you were mentioning with Rich Pianos, it's going to fuck your shit up pretty quickly. Uh, but I think of overtraining as something that can be utilized as a tool where appropriate, right? Like if you just drink alcohol every day, then you need to drink two drinks to get just as drunk or five or whatever the case is. Right. So overtraining, I try to implement into my routine on a regular basis, but not too frequent because I think that like that overtraining for me, it seems to be something you that backed up with your clients or you back that up with science or you're like, that's, you know, not something that I've utilized very frequently. I think that what you're saying actually is not completely off the rails. You know, there, there seems to be some sort of a slingshot effect sometimes. Um, and, and the best place that I could I can uh, discuss this and, and make it make sense is that if you you know when you're getting ready for a competition, obviously you're you know you know you're below maintenance calories, you're doing a ton of cardio, you're probably posing, practicing posing, you know you're you're training, and you you're, you're in some sort of probably a very overtrained state systemically and muscularly. 
so your 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 ultimate goal is let me just try to you know hopefully get into the contest condition do everything that i have to do to get in contest condition and hold as much muscle mass as i possibly can and not burn it out and lose it however if you do things correctly after you're finished with your competition you can actually make a huge amount of gains in your first two three four weeks after a show and I think part of the reason that, first of all, you have to do things correctly. That means that you're not going to go and eat cheat meals for seven straight days and sit on your ass. Now, if you want to really strategically do something with training and diet and, you know, everything right after a show, you can increase calories, keep training in, but not train too hard. Just kind of like get a pump. But you go to the gym regularly so you're not, again, overtaxing yourself. Try to get more sleep. Um, continue your you know, supplementation regimen. And you can actually slingshot and make, you gain like 8, 10 pounds of muscle. And I think part of the reason for this is, now, again, this is not something that I can prove scientifically. I'm going to say only through experience and seeing it over and over and over again, which proves a lot to me. Mm-hmm that I think that it's almost like your body is taking all that incredibly hard training that you did get ready for the show. And then once you give your body sort of that recovery and a little bit more calories, it's almost like I'm able to manifest something special out of all that extra hard training that you did right before the show and slingshot past where you normally would have been. I feel like there's something to that being completely overtrained and then properly getting the rest that you need and the calories and 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 somehow manifesting extra gains at you know what i'm saying yeah i don't know if i'm describing it correctly but i see it happen all the time because i do have people who will say to me listen there's some people who after a show they don't want to do anything they're exhausted they're done. There's some people who want to get right back into the gym. And those people who want to get right back into the gym, I say, hey, let's try to let's try to really make something out of this. And it happens all the time if you do it correctly. But it's got to be done correctly. Because if you go back to the gym and you train too hard, or you, you're like, oh, my God, I gained 10 pounds of weight over the weekend, and now I want to do a ton of cardio and take it back off so I could look like I'm in contest shape again. You don't want to do that stuff. If you want to use it for muscle growth, you can really slingshot forward done correctly. And I think some of it has to do with that overtraining and your body's ability to like, you know, I don't know, do something, you know, it's, 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 it's like, like holding it back until you give it the opportunity. Look, I think of it uh, when I try to describe how I feel about it, almost like the, like there's a yo-yo where you kind of like sit in the center most of the times, but you can go to the extremes as like being up in your hand for the yo-yo or the, the yo-yo being at the bottom of like the string there. And we're sitting in the center most of the time with a lot of, and this can be applied to like work relationships and all those kinds of things. Cause when you think of like a, a relationship, I, I think it's, it's very unique in how it can be applied to like a relationship. Cause a lot of people from my personal experience use, there becomes a complacency in relationships the same way there becomes a complacency in the way you train if you don't think about actively pursuing progressive overload in the many different facets that progressive overload can take. And so as that yo-yo is up in the top hand, that means one thing and going to the bottom means the other. So thinking about applying that is, is almost like how I see 
this where I don't understand exactly how it works. I don't know exactly why it works, but it seems to be beneficial for me, like through it. And hearing your response on that, like, is is interesting because I'm like, oh wow, that's it's not just I'm just not that crazy whack job. There's just other people out there who are seeing similar things or seeing them with their clients where they get that benefit from it. It's yeah, I mean, listen, most of the most of the major discoveries in, in bodybuilding have happened from the bodybuilders and not from the scientists, you know, because we've we, you know, we've been out there and, you know, there's been a lot of especially, you know, many, many years ago when it was really completely brand new and people, you know, probably thought, you know, it would be smart to train six hours a day because the more is the better, you know, and then you had, you know, people who were, you know, that would just, you know, squat all day and just try to build legs or whatever, whatever crazy notions you know, and oh, that didn't work, or that worked, or I'm growing from this and growing from that. Usually it's the scientists who come along well, long after we've already discovered something and they go, well, seems to be the, you, true. And we're like, well, yeah, we already knew that. We've been doing it for the last 15 years. You know, so that seems to be the way it works. And that's, you know, it's because, you know, I don't think bodybuilding is really like obviously a huge, you know, scientific community, you know, issue that they're really looking at, you know, going, well, <laughs> yeah. we really got to figure out how to build bigger people. The, the you know? stuff that we think about for like, is not the stuff that we're ever going to find in like the medical literature. It's just, they're not, they're testing like old folks or they're testing like people who have never trained before or like. Yeah. And, and, and most too many variables to like. And listen, to most, you know, what, what are they? I think that even like the labels and in, in, in different steroids years ago used to say these steroids are not effective for building muscle growth or something like that. Or <laughs> and, and some some doctors out there still think, you know, don't use creatine because it's a steroid. I mean, you know, it's, it's they don't they don't really know. So. So, yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of these things and again, going, you know, there are some universal truths to training. You know, and I feel like I've discovered you know, a good a majority of them. But I will never say that I know everything about every single person on the planet because we are individuals. So something there are certain things that may that I would say I would never recommend that that may work for a few people out there because they have some unique, you know, physiological difference, whether it be hormonal, whether it be muscle fiber makeup, whether it be intent create recovery ability that's on the highest end. You know, there might be some people out there, you know, I try to, you know, I, 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 I pretty much look at everybody like, you know, I try to find everybody in the middle, you know, like, obviously, there's a little bit of variance in genetics and this and that. But the majority of people out there, the 98% people out there are going to be somewhere in this area. But there's going to be people, you know, up and down, just like there's some people who, if they train more than three days a week, they don't grow, you know, I have to discover those things, too. There are some people that I've, you know, I've realized, you know, I'll give them you know, say for most people's standard is to train four days a week, say maybe Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, that type of a thing for, for most people. And then, you know, some people five days, whatever. But I've found that to some people who they train two or three days a week and they grow a lot better than they do on four, you know? So, I mean, there's completely different, yeah, but you have to be able to find those things and we're all unique. So Sam, something that you're doing that may be, you know, testing your, you know, doing some overtraining and then kind of slingshotting Stop. off of that, yeah. you know, may work really well for you. Maybe it wouldn't you, work for 99 out of 100 other people, but it just works for you. Have you ever tested, and, and I know that uh, we're probably going to run out of time soon, but have you ever tested out what you just said? Because we hear stories about some people, like I, mean, I do, and you probably hear it more often because you talk to more people about the training stuff than I do, <clears> where training less is 
yielding better results. And it's for people like me and probably people, some of the people who are listening, it's, it's almost like an addiction to it because we enjoy it, right? Whether addictions can be thought of as good or bad, right? I think of it as a positive addiction that's going to help me, you know, just what the fuck else am I going to do with that moment of time, right? But have you ever tried dropping that down from, say, five days to two or three days and see what your results are? Like, I just, for me, that would be very, very challenging to drop from, Five days a week to three days a week, personally. Well, here's the cool thing. I've tried almost everything on myself because I have to try things on myself before I have enough uh, knowledge on the subject or at least enough experience with it to try it on other people. So, And I consider myself below average genetics, actually. I'm quite the ectomorph. I mean, when I started training, I was 5'11 and a half, 125 pounds. Um, with like almost no muscle on my body. So I think that I was kind of a genetic inferior. Obviously, I have muscle fibers within me. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to grow to 265 pounds or whatever at some point. But I don't think I was, you know, I think, I think my progress is more from consistency, de- discipline, dedication to what I do and also to knowledge and, and knowing how to do it. Uh, but I have tried almost every single diet program that I possibly can, you know, from, you know, two grams of protein per pound of body weight to half a gram to keto dieting to the anabolic diet to high carbs. To lo- I've tried everything because I have to see. And I've tried the training, you know, I don't know if you ever heard of Bulgarian burst training, Menser's training systems. Uh, every every kind of training, you know, training seven days a week, training twice a day, training once a day, training the same body part twice. I mean, everything. Uh, I've tried it all. And that's what has allowed me to kind of narrow things down because I would always keep very, very detailed notes on everything about how I feel, you know, whether the scale was going up or down, whether my strength was going up or down, whether I was getting sick more often, you know, maybe getting colds mm-hmm. more often is my body and immune system getting affected, whatever. And that's what allowed me over, I mean, I did this really, really over my first, you know, 15, 20 years of doing this so that I can become an expert, not only via what I read and what other people said, or even what the guy from a lab coat said, but through my experience. And I think that's what gave me my most, you know, my greatest amount of knowledge and, and, and was able to allow me to work with so many different types of clients because I do work with Olympian level down to pure beginners and my job is to be able to get everybody make everybody better than they possibly could be no matter what the level is so yeah i have tried it and i think that speaking to that point i have found for myself four days a week of training works best for me when it comes to growth um i find that when i do when i get to the third day in a row of training that third day for some reason i don't feel as good as the first two days so damn I, that means I, that we're Sorry, go ahead. Finish. No, so I I prefer I prefer two days on, one day off, two days on, two days off. That is what I prefer. And I actually had just recently, uh, when I moved from California to Las Vegas, I reunited with my old training partner, and we used to train five days a week. We would do Monday, Tuesday, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we tried to return to that. Uh, And both of us looked at each other like, "No, I don't know. I don't feel good on that Saturday when we train. I don't feel strong." I feel like something, something. And so I said, let's cut that day off and let's just go back to, let's go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And both of us started making progress again. So 
you know, that's me. And that, you know, that's me. That's my body. That's my lifestyle. That's my stress level, whatever. If I was, again, paid to be a professional bodybuilder and the only job I had was to eat, sleep, train, you know, maybe it would be different. So you have to also have to think about what your job is, your stress level, how much you sleep, you know, all those factors come into play. But I think for most people, I mean, I don't even think you asked this question, but for most people, I think four days seems to work really, really well. That's a, that's an inspiration because I, I, it's something I've toyed with, but I was like, I don't, nah, don't want to do that. And uh, that way of thinking about things is, is very rigid and uh, limits a lot of people. And uh, by going through and having this conversation and just hearing a response is what I will test I don't know if I'll go down to three days, but there is the idea, right? Like if you rest your body for longer, the if you could, you don't have as much stimuli in the gym, right? Because you're going from say five to three, but maybe it's like Monday, Wednesday, Friday kind of thing. But the time that is in there could could have the you know the greater reward because there's definitely uh, at least what I notice is I put like arms on a Friday or something, but like I'll. The, the days at the beginning of the week, I tend to notice more intensity. It's easier for me to generate in the gym as the week goes on. I'm training five days a week. It tends to drop a little bit. Uh, and uh, as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, well, maybe if I did try three days a week, the actual average level of intensity across all training days is actually maybe I'm able to double that or something along those lines or just increase it on average across all of them. Um, so it's interesting. And I appreciate you sharing your perspective. You mentioned that you do coaching and we're going to be wrapping up here. So I, I want to say thank you and acknowledge you for all the information, but you mentioned you do coaching and stuff and you mentioned it earlier, but if somebody wants to reach out to you for coaching, how's the best way for them to reach out and then, you know, shill your, your stuff again. Uh, so either can, you know, direct message me on Instagram again, that's, uh, at coach Eric Broser on Instagram, uh, on Facebook, you could direct message me also, or just shoot me an email to body effects to B O D Y the letter F the letter X, the number two at AOL.com, uh, to inquire about coaching. Or if you want to just go look at, um, the different programs and pricing structures I have, you can go to www.broserbuilt.com uh, if you want to do that first. Broser with an S built.com, you said, right? Correct. B R O S E R B U I L T.com. Sweet. Awesome. Uh, test your levels. What did you want to do? Any, say an outro real quick or have anything that you want to mention? I'm sorry, Eric and I were uh, going back and forth a lot in this one, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's all good. I no enjoy it. No, I was actually just going to read something real quick. I don't, uh, you know, fuck it. We'll do it on another one. But it was about taking <laughs> carterine safely without uh, without cancer. And it was from uh, Enhanced Info on, on uh, Instagram. I found it interesting. It's a whole other subject. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. We'll cover, we'll cover that in another one. But um, <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, you can find me, Test Your Levels, on you know Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You can find Sam. I'll let Sam do that. But uh, if you're listening to this, we do have a YouTube channel, so you can see our beautiful faces. Um, and if you are watching this on YouTube, we're on every major podcast platform. Uh, we have links in the description to both, to all the stuff that – we are all associated with. So come click on those links, give us your money. And uh, that's about it. <laughs> no, I'm just playing, but uh, yeah. So, and then Sam, where can we find you on, on social? 
Just Sam Stolt, uh, appreciate you guys. If you guys find value in this stuff, if you're still here at this point, uh, check out the other shit we put out. Like, if you were like, hey, I'm listening to this whole thing. It was kind of an interesting conversation. Check out Test Your Levels. Check out Eric on Instagram or other places on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. You can find me on any of the socials at Sam Stolt or some variation of that. Appreciate you guys, and I'll talk to you soon.